Antioch family, it is a blessing and an honor. Pastor Jade and Pastor Christy, thank you for allowing this opportunity and uh, for us connecting in life and doing life together. Today, um, I'd like to share, actually, the ministry crew shout-out was going to be happening. If you look at your ministry crew, uh, Archie Bulletin, there's a ministry crew shout-out inside there. Yeah, Pastor Dan, if I can grab that real quick. I just want to read who that ministry crew is. If you'll follow along with me, it says, this person has served in and has faithfully been a part of Antioch since its inception. He's never missed a meeting. Even if there are only two or three people, he serves without ceasing. Wow, this guy's amazing. In fact, he has served every Sunday in every meeting that Antioch Church has ever had. He is gifted. Don't read ahead. Don't read ahead. I, I see what you guys are doing there. He's gifted in everything he does, operates in all the offices of the five-fold ministry, and in all the gifts of the Spirit. Wow. He knows the word of God like no one else and is truly the epitome of the ministry mission statement, gives, serves, loves, and his birthday is right around the corner. So when you see him, make sure you wish him a happy birthday. Today's ministry crew shout out goes to Jesus. All right. All right. Good one, whoever put that together. All right. Well, today as we finish out our series on traditions, um, I'm going to give us a quick overview of what has come, and then that way we'll get started on gifts today. Traditions are at their core a vehicle or a form through which substance or the heart of a teaching is transferred. Traditions are generational in nature. The previous two sermons we had were on Sidron. He is a pastor, but delight, dispelling the darkness. He told us that illuminating the plan, the path, his presence, and your purpose and his promise. He said Jesus has a plan for us to set us on a path that brings us into his presence, giving us purpose through his promise. And he gave us a little acronym on light. He said, let us live in God's highest tradition, Jesus, who is light. Way to go. This was so good and sound last week. With Mr. Jonathan Swindle, what a great, great word. Of, he says, what we do with our sound matters. Be purposeful with your unique sound, and sound shifts the atmosphere. These are our previous two, three sermons in this series, and today I have the honor of bringing in the last part of this. When you think about Christmas, it's easy to think about lights. It's really easy to think about all the lights that we see. It's really great to think about all the Christmas carols that we get to sing. Some of us sound very good with those Christmas carols. Others, not so much. <laughs> Make a joyful noise. And we also have presents. It would be hard to think about celebrating Christmas without thinking about all the gifts that were going to be exchanged and given during this season but have you ever stopped in the hustle and bustle of Christmas and thought, really, why am I giving these gifts? I know I have. I'm like, why am I spending all of this money? But today, that's a good word. And so today, we're actually going to really consider why do we give all these gifts. In the Christian faith, the practice of giving gifts at Christmas is traced back to the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh that were given to Jesus at his birth by the three magi. The magi were kings from the east, wise men who traveled a great distance following a star to find a newborn Jesus and bring him gifts. Today, we may give gifts at Christmas for many of our own reasons. For some, it's a way to celebrate the Christian holy day, this day Christmas. It's a, for others, it's a special time to let family and friends know that they're cared for by giving these gifts. At times, Christmas gifts at, um, gifts at Christmas can become almost mechanical can become a chore. Some of us just find a checklist and like, I got to get this gift for so-and-so, and I got to get this gift for so-and-so. And when this happens, it's worth stepping aside for a few moments to consider 
why exactly we give gifts at Christmas. Let's open our word today and turn to Matthew 2. And we're going to begin in verse 1. And we'll head all the way to verse 12. I'm just going to read along this story of, of the revelation of Jesus and the Magi. I hear scriptures turning and I hear phones moving. So after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem, verse 2, and asked, where is the one who has been born of the King Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where is the Christ was to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent, to Bethlehem, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so I too may go and worship him. Lies, lies, and more lies. <laughs> After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to the country by another route. Let's pray. Father, today we ask that you would reveal to us the tradition of gift giving, the tradition of gifts, the way that you've laid it, the way that you have desired it and ordained it. And Lord, today we ask that our hearts would be open to your revelation of gifts during this season. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me point something out here that the Lord did so um, miraculously in our sermon series. He actually brought us right through the same path that these magi traveled. If you look in verse 10, it says, when they saw the star, there's light. They were overjoyed. When you get to verse 11, they said, when they entered into this house, this place, they bowed down and worshiped him sound. Sound shifted the atmosphere at that time, and that light led them or illuminated their path to go to the gift. In verse 11, it continues on. It says, they opened their treasures and presented them, presented him with gifts of gold, incense, and myrrh. The Christian tradition for me is so much fun. I love giving gifts, probably love getting gifts more than giving them, but I love gift, Christmas gifts. You know, the house is so uh, full of anticipation, so full of expectation. I, I love this poem. It's, "'Twas the night before Christmas when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas would soon be there. The children nestled all snug in their beds while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads." This anticipation that children have, when, and Christmas changes when children are around. It changes because they're so anticipatory of the gift that's about to be given. They see this present under the tree, and that's my favorite part, putting a present that's like two weeks out. What's in that? What's happening in that? In my family, you would not put gifts out early because I would be the one to try to figure out the mystery. 
I would try to figure out what's inside that gift. I love searching for that, but there's such anticipation during that time. A gift, by definition, is a present, anything given or bestowed. The property of which is voluntarily, listen to this, the property of which is voluntarily transferred by one person to another person without compensation. That's a true gift. It's the voluntary transfer by one person to another person without compensation. The nature of gift giving then is something that is given voluntarily without the requirement of giving something back. Giving without strings attached. I think some of us, we do that. I've done that. A tit for tat saying, hey, I'm going to give you this because I know you're going to give me something back. And it's so difficult to give sometimes because you're like, I hope that if I give them a gift of this value, they're going to give me a gift back of that value. Now, I may be hitting some strings here, but no strings attached this morning, right? And so I want us to understand that as we give, the, the value of our gift is because of a revelation that we have of the individual that we're giving it to. And so let us be people that give voluntarily without compensation. Let us be freely givers. Let us find ourselves saying, I'm going to give overwhelmingly to somebody. Why? Because I see the value in them. And I'll explain to us that gifts don't always have to be monetary. They don't have to be that way. And we'll talk about that here in a minute. So what can we learn from the Bible about giving gifts? Well, there's much history behind how we arrived at exchanging gifts on Christmas Day. The main reason is we do so because we're emulating God. You know, John, 1 John 4.19 says, He first loved us. And how did he show that love? In John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We love because God first loved us and we give to each other because God gave us the best gift of all. The father gave with no strings attached. Let me see this again. The father gave with no strings attached. It was a voluntarily transfer without compensation. He said, the father gave with no strings attached. He gave his gift with hope that whoever chooses to receive this good would be transformed. The Christmas season is a season of sharing, giving, and loving, and helping. Why is that? It's because at Christmas, we take the time and make the effort to acknowledge each other the way we probably should have all year long. The way we probably should have all year long. This is particularly true as it relates to the poor, the hungry, the oppressed, the sick, the weak, and the disenfranchised. Matthew 25, 40 says, whatever you did for the least of these, my brothers of mine, you did for me. We give to each other and especially to those who have less because in doing so, we're not only emulating God's generosity, but we're giving to Jesus. You see, this time of giving is a reflection of who Jesus is, who God is to us, and we're emulating him and we're parting with him in this moment to do what he is doing. Giving gifts is not an obligation, but an opportunity to bring transformation into someone's life. But giving gifts is not an obligation, but an opportunity to give or bring transformation into someone's life. John 4, 16 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Through the one gift the Father gave us, we now have access to a transformed life. The voluntary gift of Jesus, the Son, from the Father was given without strings attached. And through his love for us, he gave his only Son. Whether we receive his Son or not, his gift was given voluntarily, without compensation, but with the hope that we would receive his gift. Why is gift giving important? 
It's important because it's the outward expression that reveals an inward revelation of the worth or value of someone or something. You see, we can have an inward revelation of something, but until we express it outwardly, nobody knows. Nobody will see it. Nobody will know it. You may think that someone's so valued and someone is so special, but until you express it outwardly, it may never be the case. It's an inward revelation that's revealed through an outward expression. And this is an opportunity for us. Look at the widow's offering, Mark 12, 41 through 44. So Jesus sat down the opposite place where the offerings were put, watched the crowd putting their money into the temple's treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you truly, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of their, her poverty, put in everything and all she had to live on. An inward revelation, here's her outward expression. Example two, the parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl of great price. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and in his joy went and sold all he bought in the field. And again, in the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for pearls. When he found the one of great value, he went away and sold everything. These men had an outward expression of an inward revelation of the worth or value of that pearl, of that hidden treasure. You see, if they didn't express it outwardly, we wouldn't have these stories. They were just, hey, they got a revelation. It was valuable. It's great. But if we didn't express it externally, if they didn't sell everything they had or give up all they had, or if that widow didn't take those two copper coins of hers and put it in the offering, we would have never known what was inside. You want someone to feel value. You want someone to feel that. Give them the gift of, and we'll talk about those things. Show that you have this internal revelation. What can we learn from the wise men? Why did they bring their gifts? One of the main reasons we have the tradition of giving and receiving gifts at Christmas is to remind us of the gifts given to Jesus by the wise men, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I had this thought, what would have it been like if it was wise women? These gifts were going to have been totally different. <laughs> totally different. It would have been like diapers, wipes, it would have been all this kind of stuff, practical stuff to do at the store, right? You would have been like, hey, let's do this. <laughs> I thought about, they would have asked for directions. All right, here we go. So, moving right along. <laughs> oh, my. You can, I have the gift of forgiveness. All right, so let's travel with these uh, magi. These gifts were the outward expression of an inward revelation of the worth of this child. In the Nativity Story movie, the wise men present gifts to Jesus. And they actually say, gold for the king of kings, frankincense for the priests of priests, and myrrh for the sacrifice he'll make. The significance of these gifts for the wise men were spoke to Jesus' identity, his ministry, and his destiny. The gold represented his kingship, his identity, who he was, where he came from, the kingdom that he came from. You see, um, Jesus wants us to worship him as king with pure hearts. The frankincense represented his ministry. In Romans 8.34, it says, Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right-hand throne of God and is also interceding for us. The incense, the frankincense, the ongoing. He's ever interceding for us at the right-hand throne of God. He wants us to worship him as the high priest, 
the one who gave access, the one who gives access to the Father, and the myrrh, the myrrh representing his destiny. He was destined from this manger to this cross. He was destined for a moment to say, hey, this was going to happen, and this myrrh represented that. It's a costly perfume. It is obtained by incisions made in the bark. Let me read that again. This myrrh is a costly perfume that is obtained by incisions made in the bark. It's an antiseptic. It is used in embalming. Embalming is the art and science of preserving human remains by treating them in its modern form with chemicals to forestall decomposition. Think about this. These three gifts weren't by accident. They were purposely thought through. These wise men brought gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh to represent his identity, to show us who he was, to represent his ministry, to show us what he's going to be doing, to represent his destiny, to show us how we gain access to the Father. That embalming process is to preserve our lives, to preserve us for eternity these three gifts were not random, but well thought through. They were reserved for particular positions as a king, a priest, and for burial times. All these gifts were given with a prophetic purpose for this child. This was prophetic because Jesus was born to die in Matthew 1.21, and she shall bring forth a son. He should call him his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Gold for his identity, frankincense for his ministry, and myrrh for his destiny. These gifts were given by the wise men as an outward expression of an inward revelation. What can we learn from the Magi and the Father and how these gifts were given? Well, number one, give an unexpected gift. Nobody expected the three wise men, three kings, to go out of their way, follow a star, to bring a gift. To go, they, went, they brought entourage. They could have sent anybody to bring those gifts, three gifts. They may not have trusted them, but they could have sent anybody with the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh, but they chose themselves to go and do this. These three men gave, came and gave their gift unexpectedly. What can we learn from the Father? Well, Jesus came unexpectedly. It was unassuming. He came in a barn, born of a virgin, in a moment when nobody thought, hey, nobody's like, this day he's gonna come. It was unassuming in that moment. Some of the best gifts that we ever get are unexpected gifts. I love the show Undercover Boss. It's probably one of my favorite shows. I love, I'm, I'm going to undercover boss you guys one day. And so, <laughs> ministry crew, watch out. But um, I love it because if you've ever seen the show, it's about a boss that goes undercover, works with, alongside their employees at different uh, places. And then at the end of the show is my favorite part. Because the person reveals himself as their boss. But that's not my favorite part. My favorite part is that what the boss gives them. The boss, some of these episodes, we've seen bosses pay off complete mortgages for people. They've given them a college fund for their children. They've given them a vehicle because that person could not get to work. And you watch the tears flow in that one moment. Something I want us to think about. Could you imagine what if... What if we were a people that gave unexpected gifts? What if we were a people that saw the person at, the, at, at King Supers? Every time we saw them, we said, oh my goodness, this time I'm just going to give an unexpected gift. They're not going to think it's coming from me. Would, 
could we, could we bring transformation to their lives? Could lives be transformed just because we're such givers of unexpected gifts? Nobody thought it would ever come from this person. Nobody thought the person across the counter would give me a gift because they knew of a situation that I was in. I believe, or I would, I would like to submit that if we gave unexpected gifts, lives would be transformed. They would ever be grateful because they're going to ask you, why are you giving me this gift? And you have an opportunity to share the Lord with them. Number two thing that we can learn from the Magi and the Father is give with overflowing joy. Matthew 2.10 says, they rejoice with great exceeding joy. Here's a great quote from Richard Foster. says, giving with a glad and generous heart has a way of routing out the old miser within us. Even the poor need to know that they can give. Just the very act of letting go of money or some other treasure does something within us. That something is, it destroys the demon greed. That something in us, it destroys the demon greed. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, each of us should give with what we have decided in our heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. See, I think there's something in that. I think the way that you position your heart when you give speaks volumes. See, these wise men came, they saw the star, and it says they were overjoyed. Why were they overjoyed? Not just because they found this, the child, but because they had these gifts that they were about to give them. They said, look what's about to happen. What's about to happen? The father, the father gave out of his love. He gave out of extreme joy to you. He said, let's not give this year reluctantly or even begrudgingly, but let's be a people that give with love through an unbridled, genuine joy. They could have, um, number three, we've learned that we can actually give an unexpected gift and overflowing, with overflowing joy, but let's give a personal gift. These men, like I said earlier, could have had anybody give those gifts. But it would have been personal. What's it like? Think, Think with me. What's it like when somebody personally hands you that gift? What's it like? This person has taken their time and their finances or whatever they're going to give you, and they said, I'm going to give that to you personally. I'm not going to send somebody else to do it. Why? Because I value you that much. The wise men brought these gifts and gave their gifts directly to Jesus, but it affected everyone around them. It affected Mary. It affected Joseph. You see, a personal gift is not just a private gift, but it's a gift that will affect everyone else around for eternity. I think the Father gave a personal gift as well. Jesus was given as a personal gift he was given that all would be directly affected by this gift, not just a part of those that, not just those that were part of the inception right there in that one moment. There's transformation that comes not only to those who receive the gift when a gift is given personally. I, I remember numerous times when I give the gift of time, when I sit across from somebody and I'm sitting there and they're talking with me and we're dialoguing. And in that moment that I gave them that time, they're doing something in my heart. If I'm open to it, when I give that personal gift, I'm open to that transformation and they're changing me in that moment. I think the fourth thing that we can learn from the wise men and the father by giving these gifts is give a gift that will last. The gifts the wise men gave over 2,000 years ago are still being talked about today. Give a gift that lasts. The wise men gave a lasting gift to the eternal gift. What, are the, what did we learn from the Father giving a gift? Well, we learned that he gave us an eternal gift. 
What do we want to know about Christmas? Why do we have this tradition about giving gifts? It's because there's an eternal gift. There's an eternal gift that can be given. How do we connect this to our children? How do we take these things that we learn from the wise men and the, and the father? Well, let's be those that share the story of the eternal gift. Let's show our children how to give with genuine overflowing love. Let's be those that share with our children on how to give an unexpected gift. Let's be those that share with our children to give a personal gift. I guarantee there's probably a neighbor in your, uh, in your community that you know of that's in a situation right now. What would it look like if you just brought them dinner? What would it look like if you just brought them a Christmas card and said, hey, we're here to serve whatever you need? What would it look like if we were a people that found ourselves wanting to give the gift and finding avenues to open doors so the gospel, the eternal gift can be given? You see, we don't just give gifts during Christmas just so we can exchange gifts and everyone gets gifts. We give gifts so that an open door is, a door is open for the eternal gift. That's why gifts are given. That's where the tradition started. It started with the wise men meeting the child at the manger, giving gifts there so that we could gain revelation and have an inward revelation and have an outward expression during this season to change lives, to transform lives. I'll close with this. Let's give gifts that speak to someone's identity, ministry, and destiny. Let's think through those things. Let's think about what it looks like to give this gift. Let's be thoughtful people. Let's be people concerned about individuals to identify the value that they have. When, um, when we give, remember that you're giving because you're emulating God. He first gave us. I love what Matthew 7.10 says. Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a snake? If then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask of him? You, think, you see, I think as we learn from the Magi, as we learn from the wise men in the Father's heart, I believe that giving gifts during this season is a representation of his heart towards us. In the smallest form that it can be, it may be, we may think we give great gifts, but the gift of eternal life is the greatest gift. This son Jesus, born in a manger, is the greatest gift. You want your family members' lives changed. You want your community changed. You want your workplace changed. Let's give the gift that's eternal. Let's not just give monetary gifts. You see, you can give a gift that's lasting, gift of friendship, gift of time, gift of hope, gift of peace, but you can give a gift, the eternal gift of Jesus, and know that they will always have hope. They will always have peace. They will always have these things with them. And so I just want us to consider this as I um, end today. To receive the greatest gift the Father has given us, his Son, through which we have access to the Father and eternal life, God gave the world the most precious gift in the person Jesus Christ. God the Son laid aside his glory, humbled himself to become a baby, human baby, to be born of a woman into poverty, to live a life of a peasant, to be rejected by the very people he came to save, to die a brutal and agonizing death on a cross, and to raise again in triumph over sin and death. Jesus' sole motivation in coming, dying, and raising again was to reconcile a lost world back to God the Father through himself, to bring transformation and advance his kingdom. This gift this year 
of the greatest gift, the eternal gift, is something that I want to make sure is offered here in this house. If you're here today and you've been hearing about this gift, you've been thinking about this gift, and you're like, why is Christmas celebrated? Why do we talk about Jesus? Why do we hear about Jesus during Christmas time? It's because he's the eternal gift. Without him being born, there's no cross. Without the cross, there's no eternity with the Father. And so today, I'm going to just have us bow our heads and close our eyes. I just want to offer this gift to anybody in this place that has not received this eternal gift. Take a moment. You can examine your heart. But if you're in this place today and you're thinking to yourself, I have not received the eternal gift. I have not received this gift, Jesus. I've heard about him. Maybe you've never heard about him. You may have sought him at one point, but you've never received this gift. And I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to have you raise your hand or anything like that. I just, I just want to take this opportunity and pray for you. Father, we pray that today that every person in this place would receive your eternal gift. That it would be received in a way that it would bring lasting, eternal transformation in their lives. That no one would leave here without your gift that you've given us personally, with overflowing joy, unexpectedly, and for eternity. So Father, I bless the house of Antioch today to receive this gift of Jesus. And we are so grateful for this gift. We honor you for your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.